Buck. Good morning. This is Northern Light for Thursday, March 24th. I'm Monica Sandresky. And I'm Todd Moe. Governor Kathy Hochul writes in the New York Daily News that bail reform has been a success, but it's not perfect. She suggested some changes in the law, but legislative leaders are reluctant to make changes with the state budget due in a week. I'm not threatened by anything. I'm not going to feel pressured by anything. We care about having safe communities, and I hate when people try to politicize, you know, these things. Before all the March snow melts, we'll listen again to Emily Russell and Julia Ritchie when they hiked up St. Regis Mountain and climbed its fire tower two years ago. Wow. I mean, you're already pretty high up, but this is even... Even better. Yeah. You can just see every peak around, every slide of rock still covered in snow. A Hamilton County judge is facing disciplinary action for improper political activities. And a Lake George artist tells us how playing cards, letters, and handwritten notes inspire her paintings. All of that's coming up on Northern Light. Stick with us. Broadcast of Northern Light here on North Country Public Radio is supported by Cronin's Golf Resort. Proudly supporting NCPR year-round as a service to the community, Cronin'sGolfResort.com. And the Adirondack Explorer magazine and Adirondack Almanac providing regional news and commentary. Also available online at AdirondackExplorer.org and AdirondackAlmanac.com. This is Northern Light. I'm Monica Sandresky. And I'm Todd Moe. Five supervisors in Essex County tested positive for COVID-19, four of whom recently attended a state conference near Albany. According to the Adirondack Daily Enterprise, Essex County Chairman Sean Gilliland and Mariah Town Supervisor Tom Skazafava are among those who got COVID after the conference last week. Gilliland told the paper no one at the conference was wearing a mask and said that was a mistake on his part. It's unclear who the two additional Essex County supervisors were who also tested positive after the conference. St. Herman Town Supervisor Davina Weinmiller was positive with COVID as of Tuesday, though Weinmiller wasn't at last week's conference. The highly contagious subvariant of COVID is spreading here in New York. Health officials said earlier this week that uh, while cases are rising slightly, they're not leading to a spike in hospitalizations. New York Senator Kirsten Gillibrand is proposing a bill to establish a point person overseeing funding for rural America. She says there are more than 400 programs across 13 federal departments, but no one person or department that knows where all the money earmarked for rural communities is. So Gillibrand wants to create the position of chief rural advisor. You have one entity that knows all sources of money. So, for example, let's say you have a rural community that really needs rural broadband. Well, there's several places you can get resources for rural broadband. There's USDA, there's Commerce, uh, EPA Transportation Bill. There's three different places you can get money for rural broadband, but that town or community might not know all those places. And so 
We want it to be a permanent place within the administration so someone is looking out for rural America in a comprehensive way. She says the chief rural advisor would be appointed by the president and run a council with a representative of each of those departments. Her bill has bipartisan support and companion legislation in the House. A Hamilton County judge is facing disciplinary action for improper political activities. Celia Clark reports. Tatiana Coffinger is a judge in the county family and surrogate courts in Hamilton County. She was elected to a 10-year term in 2020. According to New York's Commission on Judicial Conduct, there were two complaints made against her last December. One was for participating in a fundraising event for a political party. The other was for putting out campaign materials with false information about one of her opponents. During her campaign for judge, she approved mailings of a so-called sample ballot that listed one of her Republican primary opponents as a Democrat. The commission concluded that Coffinger was responsible because her opponent was the county district attorney, widely known to be a Republican. Since it was a Republican primary, the commission said she should have known the information was wrong. In its decision, the commission wrote that Coffinger, while a candidate for public election to judicial office, failed to uphold the integrity and independence of the judiciary by failing to maintain high standards of conduct. Coffinger officially admitted to both accusations. The commission can make public or private decisions. Coffinger got a public admonishment. It doesn't include any other penalty. The commission might consider a stiffer penalty if there are more complaints against the judge. Celia Clark, North Country Public Radio. Governor Kathy Hochul is defending her proposed changes to the state's 2019 landmark bail reform laws, writing an op-ed in a New York City tabloid, while the Speaker of the Assembly is casting doubt on whether the items will be part of the state budget, which is due in about a week. From Albany, Karen DeWitt reports. Hochul waited nearly a week to respond since a 10-point memo detailing her proposed changes to the state's criminal justice laws was leaked to the media. In an op-ed in the New York Daily News, Hochul says bail reform has been a success and has resulted in fewer New Yorkers being kept behind bars because they can't afford to pay. But she admits that there's been a distressing increase in shootings and homicides since the law was passed, and she says the legislation is not perfect. Hochul, who did not take questions after making a speech at a state trooper graduation ceremony, issued the opinion piece along with Lieutenant Governor Brian Benjamin. Benjamin, who as a state senator was a strong advocate of the criminal justice changes, ducked reporters twice instead of answering questions about the memo. Late Tuesday, though, he responded. We believe bail reform is a good thing. We are, I was a part of bail reform one and two. We believe it's a good thing. We also believe, given what we're seeing, that there are some amendments that should be a part of that. Among the changes Hochul is seeking is making it harder for repeat offenders to avoid bail and allowing judges to consider more factors when they decide whether a defendant should be eligible for bail or simply released until their court date. She also wants to make more gun-related crimes bail eligible. The governor, who's running for election to the post she filled last August when Andrew Cuomo resigned, is under pressure from political opponents. Both Democrats 
Democratic and Republican candidates have issued a barrage of ads faulting her for not acting to revise the bail reform laws and linking the issue to rising crime rates. Legislative leaders strongly backed bail reform, saying it would help to quell inequities between the way black and brown New Yorkers are treated in the criminal justice system compared to whites. They're reluctant to make changes without seeing more data on whether the laws have contributed to rising crime. Recent studies by NYU's Brennan Center and the New York City Controller did not find evidence that the changes are causing the crime wave. Assembly Speaker Carl Hastie, who's negotiated eight budgets, says he and his members won't be coerced by the governor to rush, with only a few days left until the end of the fiscal year. He says the proposals could be decided later in the session. I'm not threatened by anything. I'm not going to feel pressured by anything. The speaker says other causes for the crime wave need to be examined, including the long and still ongoing pandemic and breakdowns in many social services that help prevent crimes from happening. He says he's angered that opponents of bail reform say he and other lawmakers don't care about public safety. That's all bullshit. We care about having safe communities, and I hate when people try to politicize, you know, these things. Senate leader Andrea Stork-Cousins says she supported bail reform because of real-life tragedies, including that of Khalif Browder, a teen who was incarcerated for months when he could not make bail for a crime he did not commit and later committed suicide. The Senate leader told reporters that she and her Democratic members do not want to go backwards and undo the benefits of bail reform. And she says she was taken unawares by the government proposed changes. Well, obviously the 10 points uh, took, took me by surprise, but I know that she's obviously been thinking about it. Just as we, we all have been talking to stakeholders and people about what, what the reality is and isn't. And I will go back to, we don't have data that says that our bail reforms have led to a spike in crime. And the reality is the spike in crime is national. Stuart Cousins says crime has been rising in many other states that did not change their bail laws. The legislative leaders are not rejecting all of the governor's ideas. They say they are open to proposals to increase funding for pretrial services, youth diversion and employment programs, and more mental health services. In Albany, I'm Karen DeWitt. You're listening to Northern Light here on North Country Public Radio. It's 11 minutes past 8. Good morning. I'm Todd Moe. And I'm Monica Sandreski. Just ahead, Fern Apfel's paintings of playing cards and handwritten letters are so realistic, many people think they're collage. We'll catch up with the artist whose work is currently on display at the Lake George Arts Project in just a few minutes right here on Northern Light. This is music by Zoe Knight in Potsdam.
Northern Light is supported by Renew Architecture and Design, offering custom design services from the St. Lawrence River Valley to the Adirondacks. More at renewarchitecture.com. And by Gray and & Gray & Associates, CPAs, a proactive accounting and financial services firm in northern New York with offices in Canton, Potsdam, and Spring Hill, Florida. GrayCPAS.com. Officials in Tupper Lake continue to push for public access to the big Tupper ski area. According to the Adirondack Daily Enterprise, a citizen's advisory board will meet on March 31st to discuss the plans to reopen the mountain. The property is currently undergoing a foreclosure procedure, and if this is finalized, the county could potentially buy the mountain back. According to the paper, the Tupper Lake Town Board wants to open the mountain for hiking, biking, and cross-country skiing. A town official said reopening the lifts for downhill skiing at Big Tupper is not on the agenda right now because it would be, quote, a huge undertaking. This time, two years ago, we were all being told to stay home as the coronavirus pandemic intensified. Thankfully, there were still ways to socialize and get outside safely. Emily Russell met up with Julia Ritchie, who was our St. Lawrence Valley reporter at the time, and the two hiked St. Regis Mountain in the Adirondacks. They sent this postcard, which first aired in March of 2020. Okay, so we are out here. It's a crazy beautiful day. The sun is shining through this forest we're in. Um, it's cold. It's still a winter hike. It's my first time in Spikes. First time in Spikes for Julia Ritchie. So I'm here with Julia. Another exciting thing about today is that it's going to be Julia's first time up a fire tower. Yay. Yay! Yeah, so I moved here only like less than two months ago. Uh, I was really excited to like get outside and do all these hikes and I'm really glad that one of the things we are allowing ourselves to do right now as a society is to go outside and breathe fresh air stay apart from each other but still really enjoy nature and so that's why i'm really glad you had this idea because <laughs> i need to be outside right now we've been working really hard uh to get the news out to everybody in the last few weeks especially and um So I've been trying to take some time for myself on the weekends when I get it to really get outside and hike safe and bring a friend along if you can. It's leg day. It's leg day. (laughs) We're getting some exercise here. Some really beautiful, cheerful birds out right now in the woods. So nice to hear after being cooped up at home for so long. Like, it was so, like, crisp when we came over this little ridge. Yeah. So I was like, time to pull out the phone. (laughs) They're so sound-oriented. I love it. We've got uh, just about a mile left to climb here. A somewhat steep section, but um, it should be a good uh, good view from the top. Yes. Yeah, that last that last quarter mile is killer. <laughs> they really want to make sure you really want this view, <laughs> and I do. This is gorgeous. 
Isn't it amazing? Oh my gosh. I mean, you're already pretty high up, but this is even, even better. Yeah. You can just see every peak around, every ridge, every mountain lake. Wow. Every slide of rock still covered in snow. This is something else. For North Country Public Radio on St. Regis Mountain, I'm Emily Russell. And I'm Julia Ritchie. <laughs> I can't. I can't do it. No, it's good. Good, good. That postcard first aired at the start of the coronavirus pandemic in March of 2020. We've had a slightly warmer spring this year, so many trails in the Adirondacks are getting slushy and even muddy. So it's best to not to post hole through melting snow or hiking through mud, which can erode the trails. You're listening to Northern Light here on North Country Public Radio. I'm Todd Moe. And I'm Monica Sandreski. Coming up in just a minute, we'll see, check out the work currently on display at the Courthouse Gallery at the Lake George Arts Project. After that, we'll get a bit of a music preview for from the Potsdam Interfaith Community get-together tonight. But first, we've got a look at the weather. Right now, it's 40 degrees in Sandy Creek, 36 in Wilmington, 38 in Ogdensburg, and 35 degrees in Cranberry Lake. We can expect cloudy skies today, maybe some drizzle throughout the area with highs in the mid to upper 50s expected along the St. Lawrence River, highs in the 40s elsewhere. That rain is expected to continue into the evening and overnight and really during the day tomorrow too, highs in the 40s tomorrow. Cloudy skies on Saturday with highs in the 40s and a bit chillier on Sunday, highs in the mid 30s expected and even a chance of snow possible. The paintings by the artists currently on display at the Lake George Arts Project are so realistic, many people think they're collages. Fern Apfel's work features what appear to be handwritten letters or ledgers, notebooks or playing cards plainly laid out or stacked on top of each other. But it's all done in acrylic paint. She finds letters or playing cards at garage sales or antique stores, then arranges them and sets to work measuring and mimicking the design and handwriting. She talked with Monica Sandreski about her latest series, Games of Chance, now on display at the Courthouse Gallery of the Lake George Arts Project. You make a real point of saying you don't do collage, you do paintings, but the question that comes up, why, why not collage these? Many years ago, I did do collage, and I, I don't know exactly. <laughs> I just I, I realized that instead of collaging the words, I could be writing them, and it opened up a huge amount of possibilities for me because I was uh, always a, a bit trapped by the color of the page and the kind of type, and and this opened up a, a new uh, just a whole world, and it was a lot of fun. They're just lots of layers of built-up acrylic paint, really, and because I taped the edges, the paint 
sort of gathers on the edges and this happened just happenstance i didn't plan this but it gives it a slight three-dimensional quality and and with a slight shadow sometimes and therefore it looks like you could almost pick the paper up off off the board so it looks like collage and the writing is done with uh all kinds of uh archival pens i was wondering if you could describe your piece blue longing to me um, so it's um, the very bottom has an open notebook um, with a pencil in the middle of it. There is nothing written on in the notebook. Um, and then there's uh, two dice to the left of it. And um, the Queen of Hearts um, is sticking out on, from underneath the notebook on the right side. And then the rest is just a, a very large, big uh, blue square with a slight, a very slightly different blue uh, to the left of it in a sort of a, rec, a you know a rectangle. So the the painting is actually quite empty, but um, with just these things on the very bottom, and it very and it's very blue. <laughs> and and uh, originally. There was writing in the notebook, and um, I, when I, I re, at some point I redid the whole painting, and I, I redid, I redid painting the notebook, and I left it empty on purpose. Why did you leave it empty on purpose? Well, two reasons. One was one was visual that the bottom of the painting has a lot of weight on it. Uh, just a composition thing you it it made it a little heavy and you need your eye to go up kind of it's a very visual thing but I I think it actually that wasn't the reason I did it I there's something about something blank that is provocative and maybe there are times when we're all um, a little speechless or we don't know what to say or we don't know what to write and um, we're kind of caught in that moment of a pause or a comma. And I think some of my paintings are about that pause. There is one other painting in the show where I have on top, it's a vertical, and I on top is kind of like a sky. It's just a sky with a very, uh, you know, those skies once in a while that are just beautiful and some clouds and lots of pink and things like that. But the bottom of the painting, but or three quarters of the painting is uh, like an off-white, and it has a piece of loose-leaf paper on it, you know, just regular old-fashioned loose-leaf paper. And the loose-leaf paper is, um, it's just one, and it's blank. It's just a blank piece of paper. And uh, I titled that one Speechless. I think I like painting that pause, that comma. And in this piece and others, too, especially for this exhibit, you've been incorporating playing cards, especially the Queen of Hearts. Can you tell me a bit about that and, and how it fits into this piece and, and this larger series? Um, I became obsessed with this card. <laughs> it kept popping up in, inside of me to put it in lots of places. I, I, I guess it has um, 
something to do with heartbreak, I think. Okay. I think that's how I started with the cards, actually. It was really just about the Queen of Hearts and it was about the dice and it was about, um, it was kind of little about heart, just heartbreak and how life plays tricks on us. You can't predict the story and you, and it was a little bit cynical. Um, I, I don't think of myself as a cynical person, but it was cynical. I then started putting in the Joker. You know, it, it was like, yeah, sure, Queen of Hearts. Well, here's the Joker. The Joker's going to play lots of tricks on us. So, um, so it was, um, yeah, it was, it, it was some sadness in there. Somehow, I needed to to paint them. Fern Apfel. Her exhibition, Games of Chance, is currently on display at the Lake George Arts Project. You can get a preview of her work and hear an extended conversation with her later this morning at our website, ncpr.org. We're getting a little bit of a preview of the gathering tonight for the Potsdam Interfaith Community Get-Together, which will feature a virtual presentation featuring the impact of Arabic music on America and the world. We'll be sampling a few songs from Arabic classical music, modern music, and folklore, plus a blend of voices of Arabs of the Jewish, Christian, and Muslim faiths. They'll also hear some social justice and revolutionary songs and remixes. And you can sign up at the Potsdam Interfaith Community Facebook page. This is one of the songs that will be featured tonight from the Arabic Music Salon to give examples of different instruments. So part of what we're hearing are percussion instruments, including the darbuka, the def, and the tabla, which are hand drums, the air instrument, the ney, and string instruments, the cannon and the kaman. Let's give a listen. That sound of the neigh, the flute. Oh, yes. Very Isn't cool. that nice? I love that higher pitch. Yeah. It's uh, 8.27 right now. Thanks for listening to Northern Light here on North Country Public Radio. And uh, a lot of things happening around our region. 
big uh, weekend for maple syrup. Don't forget to check out a lot of the maple producers for the maple weekends. Uh, the Indian Lake Theater is joining over 400 theaters around the country to show a film by a Ukrainian filmmaker who's offering one of his films to raise money to support aid organizations that are working to help the Ukrainian people. The film is available at no charge as long as 100% of the ticket sales goes to the relief effort. Uh, so the Indian Lake Theater is showing the film Sunday, this Sunday afternoon, or excuse me, this Sunday evening at 7 o'clock. Uh, it's, and it's a, a film by a Ukrainian filmmaker, and it's uh, all the proceeds are going to uh, relief efforts for Ukraine. It's at the Indian Lake Theater Sunday evening at 7 o'clock. And a reminder that President Biden is in Brussels today for the NATO summit to address issues related to the Russian invasion of Ukraine. He's expected to hold a news conference around 3 o'clock this afternoon. NPR will be offering live special coverage hosted by Ari Shapiro and Scott Tong. And you'll be able to hear it when it airs right here on North Country Public Radio. And if the president does speak between 3 and 5 o'clock... You'll be able to hear the String Fever Global Radio Jam on our sister station, WREM, and at ncpr.org slash remix with your smart speaker. And what is the String Fever Global Radio Jam, you ask? Well, it's a wonderful event with the host of String Fever, Barb Heller. It's a live broadcast, and you're invited to play along the full playlist with the band Runaway Home. All the music, chords, lyrics are available for free. Download at our website, ncpr.org. Just click the link for everything you need to be able to play along with the radio for the String Fever Global Radio Jam. Dance along, invite your friends to jam with you. That's this afternoon between 3 and 5 o'clock. And even if you don't play a string instrument, you can sing along with the radio as well. And dance along. And dance along. It's a lot of fun. Join Barb Hiller this afternoon. That's it for Northern Light for this Thursday, the 24th of March. I'm Todd Moe. And I'm Monica Sandreski. Have a good one.